had uh, Pastor Peter with us last week. He's my mentor. He's just an epic man. And he's challenged me just to do a few messages around the theme that he brought. And the theme he brought was uh, my response to God's lead. You know, who knows that God's always leading? And you, every time, get an opportunity to respond to that. It just amazes me, as a man of faith, that the creator of heaven and earth, creator of everything, all-powerful one, all-sufficient one, all-knowing one, allows me to choose every single time. And I can choose positive, I can choose negative, I can be indifferent. But he loves me enough to say, Barry, you choose, but I'm going to keep leading. And every single one of us is making a choice every single day, whether we realize it or not, we are. We're being positive, negative, or indifferent, but we're always choosing. And God loves you enough to give you that choice. You know, it would never be love, would it, if he was a dictator? You will do this because it's the right thing to do. That's not love. It's like, I'm going to love you. I'm going to give you an opportunity, and then I'm going to stand back and love you enough to let you choose. Wouldn't it be great if the church began to be people who made Jesus' choices? Wouldn't it be great if the church became the heart of Jesus? Wouldn't it be great if we started getting so in tune with him that our choices flowed from that relationship every single time? What would the church look like then? What would your life look like then? And so we're just discussing this whole idea of how do we respond? And last week, Peter talked about David, whose response to God's presence was to praise. And to praise in such a a way that his wife was embarrassed by him. I have that every week. But David was like, don't, don't, you know, this is almighty God. He's here. I'm celebrating that fact. And she said, you're embarrassing yourself. You're the king. And he said, I can get more undignified than that. Started getting a little bit naked. <laughs> but it was awesome. And who enjoyed the end bit? Because then we get to respond on that encouragement. And so we had half the church down in this march pit and it went off. And it was great. Do you know what I want? I want that to be our norm. I don't want a one-off event. I know there's people sat in their first couple of songs that we do a bit bigger that are there and you think, oh, I'll get down the front. Come and be stupid with me because Jesus loves it. You know, get un- even more undignified than me. I'll challenge you. <laughs> but it's awesome. So what I want to look at today is the response that I want to call thankfulness. Thankfulness is a potential response to any given situation. And the reality is we respond positively, negatively, or indifferently on all occasions. Uh, Give me a wave if you drive a car. Lots of car drivers. Who knows that when you have the opportunity to let someone out, you look in their window, and the least you expect is this. (laughs) If you don't get that, how annoying is it? (laughs) I let you out. I didn't have to let you out. You didn't even, I'd even accept this. I can go with this, but if you get this, how annoying, I've waited for you, now you've ruined my day because I've got the hump. But this whole idea of thanks, which can be so simple, changes people's emotions, it changes people's day. And I laugh and I joke, but those things count. You know, we love a bit of road rage in our country. But when you let someone out and they say thanks, it's like, oh, that's cool. I'm glad I helped you out there. If they don't even bother to do that, oh, come on. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to ram you from behind now. (laughs) Stupid idiot. Wish I'd never let you out. But you can see how it changes things. 
and it can be small little things like that, or it could be big gestures. Now, some years ago, uh, we were about to be celebrating uh, our wedding anniversary, and uh, if anyone who knows my wife knows that she likes handbags, shoes, and clothes. <laughs> and um, I had this little plan, I had this little plan. And I thought to myself, I did a bit of research. Does anyone know the shoe brand Christian Louboutin? Give me some waves if you know Christian Louboutin. All the girls in the room gave out a little squeal. <laughs> Christian Louboutin are famous. They have the red soles on them. Now, now I've said that. If you're not into shoes, you look on the red carpets at celebrity events. You'll see the red soles. They, these, these are Christian Louboutin shoes. Sarah's always wanted a pair. So sneaky husband bought her a pair. And, um, and I... <laughs> Sorry, men, I've stitched you right up right now. <laughs> and uh, I got this pair, and, and they arrived four or five days before our wedding anniversary, and they are in the box, and they were sitting there, and I was so excited. I just had to give them to her. I couldn't wait. They were in the box, and she was there. And I just, I just walked in with these Christian the Boutins and didn't say anything, just presented them to her, and she opened them. And she was like, well, she was stunned silence for the first time ever. <laughs> But she loved it. And at that point, she had an opportunity to act positively, negatively, or indifferently. To be thankful or to be not thankful. Now, it would seem obvious to me where that was going. And she was thankful. But this is where Facebook, and I know there's positives and negatives about Facebook. This is where it's great because she put this post up on Facebook. And I think Nathan would better bring it up for us. There they are. The Christian Louboutins. Brands. <laughs> This is where I stitched myself up this week because we suddenly noticed it was 2012. So uh, I've had six years and haven't done too much since. But, uh, <laughs> that's got to be six years worth, though, hasn't it? And uh, so celebrate. <laughs> I'll leave now. So celebrating 12 years of marriage in a few weeks and just been presented with an early gift. Brace yourself, ladies. Christian Louboutins, does he love me or what? See, she's being thankful publicly. The whole world was celebrating what I'd done because it was an over, you know, it was a big gesture. All the men were like, Barry, you've caned us. I can't believe it. My wife wants a pair now. But she was thankful. And because she was thankful, you know, we, we want to be together. We celebrated. We went out and had food. It was a good day because she responded to what I did to her, or for her. Just in its most simplistic terms, thankfulness is attractive. It brings a smile. It adds value to someone. People feel appreciated. Thankfulness, just at a simple term, is a good thing. At the other end of thankfulness is an attitude I'm going to call entitlement. The idea that you've done something for me You've spoken to me in a certain way. You've treated me in a, a certain way. But I'm not going to show thankfulness because I deserve that. And you should be doing that for me. And so it's just the normal run of things. So you're not grateful or thankful. You're entitled. I deserve that. And I want to say that's unattractive. Uh, do you know what? This, the whole idea that I deserve to be treated in such a way so I don't have to be thankful. The trouble with that is that kind of person ends up in a bad space because of this, when someone doesn't treat you that way, you're not just not thankful, you're angry. 
because you should have been treated that way, and now I'm annoyed. And you go on this spiral, which what could have been a positive response of thankfulness becomes a negative response of entitlement and becomes anger because you're not treated how you expected to be treated, and it becomes a huge negative. Who do you want to be around? Thankful person? Entitled person? Who do you want to be? Thankful person? Entitled person. And every single day we get a choice on how we're going to respond. We all, no, I'm sure we all agree, we want to be around the thankful person, don't we? So here's my first point. Thankfulness attracts presence. People want to be around that. Jesus wants to be around that. It's attractive and it's engaging. Now here's the story. Luke 17, verses 11 through 16 says this. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' face, uh, Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Here's the thing. I love Jesus' attitude to every situation. Who knows he shouldn't have been engaging with lepers. They were unclean. He shouldn't have been talking to them. He should have been at a distance. They respected protocol. Jesus wasn't fussed by it. And I love the fact that my Jesus doesn't care about social boundaries and borders. He just wants to love people. And I think, I want to be that kind of Jesus to people. Well, I'm not fussed about what everyone else thinks. I just want to touch your heart because I'm representing Jesus. And so that was his attitude all the way along. They all got cleansed. The protocol in that social space was that when you showed yourself to the priest and he saw you were clean, you were allowed back into society. That's why Jesus said, go and show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. The first thing they did was obey what Jesus said. Go and show yourself. Now, they could, they had a choice. And Jesus loved them enough to, to give them that choice. They could have said, what's the point of that? No. They could have thought, can't really be bothered. Or they could have done what he said. But those who obeyed Jesus' voice received their miracle. First challenge to his church, will you obey the voice of Jesus? When he says go, will you go? When he says stop, will you stop? When you do what he says, there's a miracle on the other side of your obedience. That was the case here. How many people in that story received a miracle? Shout me out. Ten. How many people said thank you? One. Who ended up in the presence of Jesus? One. One. All of them received a miracle. One of them ended up in Jesus' presence. Thankfulness gets you presence. Thankfulness changes something. Now, I like to think the Bible is always speaking into situations. I wonder if it's still true today that 90% of people are ungrateful. That's challenging. But that's the situation Jesus found himself in. You know, this guy who gave thanks, this guy who stopped for a moment and gave thanks, ended up in the presence of Jesus. And when we look at great biblical leaders, we can look at Moses, who in Exodus 33 says, I won't go unless your presence goes with me. He knew something, that when the presence of God is there, it always ends up better. You know, King David, you know, the great warrior, the great worshipper, he just said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. He knew there was something about presence that he had to have to succeed. And this guy came back and said, thanks, 
and ended up in the presence of God. It's just better. Let me suggest to you today that thankfulness is one of the keys to get you into the presence of Jesus. It's an attitude that he loves and responds to. Now have a look at this in Psalm 100, verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's where it starts. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You know, the way we set church up is, is on purpose. That we do praise and thanks at the beginning. It's the first thing. You know, that's why we invite people to clap and raise their hands. Because we're saying, thank you, Jesus, that you love me. That's why I invite those who are inclined to get their feet off the ground a little bit. Because we're saying, thank you, Jesus. And do you know what it does? It encourages presence. So that when we come to worship, he's inhabited the praises of his people. And it, we get a choice. The moment you walk into the house on a Sunday, you get a choice. Am I going to give thanks? Am I going to not give thanks? Am I going to be indifferent? But we all get a choice every single time. And I know, I know, I know, Jesus responds to your thankfulness. He responds to it. And so let me stir you today to be someone who says, I'm going to be thankful. I'm going to be thankful. I don't know if you know the way they set the, the temple up or uh, the tabernacle up. It was like it was an outer court. And then there was a holy place. And then there was the Holy of Holies, which only the priests go into. And so what they would be doing here is they're on a journey into the, towards the presence of God. So they enter the court with thanksgiving. It's the first step towards the presence of God. That's how they set it up. That's how God asked them to set it up. Thanksgiving is your first step towards the presence of God. And then they would come in the outer court and there would be a brazen altar. The place where they brought animal sacrifice. The place of blood sacrifice. And it was to purify sin. Once they'd done that, they'd be a bit messy. And so they'd go over to the laver, which was a place of washing. The Holy Spirit, we would look at that now, that he comes and cleanses us. And once they'd done that, they'd go into the holy place. And in the holy place was an altar of incense. And it was this mixture of herbs and spices and oils. And they'd heat it up and this sweet smell would come up. And the people who'd gone there, they'd lift over their shawl and they'd put it over the incense and breathe it in. Anyone ever done Vicks? <laughs> Do you know? Bit like that, but not Vicks. Next time you're doing a Vicks, you the presence of God is here. <laughs> driving out my rotten cold. But this is what they would do. They enter. The first thing is thanks. They enter saying, thank you, God, that you love me. Thank you that you're God, that your hand is on me. I praise you. And they come to the place of sacrifice. Who knows we don't have to do that anymore because Jesus has done it once and for all. Then they go to the place of washing. Well, who knows we don't need to ceremonially do that because we've got the Holy Spirit cleansing us every single day. But then they walk into the presence of God and it was smelled good. And they'd put their top over, their shawl over, and they'd smell it in. And it'd get on their face and in their beard and on their clothes. And they'd leave that place. And people would know you'd been in the presence of God because they could smell it. It was on you. And there's this whole idea that when you've been in the presence of God, people know. People know. Because you think different. You act different. You speak different. And it smells good. People want to be around that. People come to you and go, there's something different about you. Now, I, I love it. And I always say this. You know, people will go to a mechanic to fix their car. But when they've got an issue in life, they'll come to a Christian because they know. They don't always want to admit it. 
They don't always want to believe in the God we believe in, but they know you've got something they haven't. And they'll come to you. Do you know why? Because they can smell it. There's something on you. And it's not Vicks. It's the presence. It's the presence of God. It's all over you. You carry it. And it diffuses into society. Do you know what? The church is the only group that meets for people who aren't members. We get together to get in the presence of God to say, use me, Lord, to change this world. Because God loves everyone out there, not just me and you. He loves us all. And so he's saying, get in my presence so that when you go out, people can smell it's different. There's something about you that's different. And you know the first step to get in there? Thankfulness. Thankfulness counts. Thankfulness is an attitude of heart and spirit that counts. It makes a difference. So turn to three people and say, it's time to be thankful. Look at the way Paul describes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 14 and 15. He says this, Thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal, triumphal procession. You know, I always say, when I wake up in the morning and I spin my legs around and put them on the floor, my starting point is victory. Because Christ leads me in his triumphal procession. It's not because I'm great and I do everything right. It's because he's great and he did everything right. And I live with him. And so therefore, as I follow him, he leads me in triumph every day. Your starting point tomorrow morning, whatever your day looks like, whatever your Monday looks like, is triumph, is victory when you're doing it with Jesus. It's a biblical point. Um, he uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. The aroma of God isn't just for one kind of person. It's for everyone. And God wants to get the aroma of Christ out there through you. And to do that, you need to dwell in his presence. You need to get around him. You need to let him get in you and on you and around you. And the starting point in that journey is thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Not entitlement. Good job you died for me, Jesus, because I proper deserved that. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't deserve anything. But because you loved me, you laid your life down for me. And I give you thanks. Thankfulness makes a difference. So what is going on with these lepers? I don't know where you'd sit, but if I had some awful life debilitating disease which was probably going to end my time and Jesus cured me I think I'm going to be a little bit grateful I think I might just go that was pretty cool I couldn't be indifferent and I couldn't be negative it's literally changed my life so I don't think that these 10 lepers were actually ungrateful I think they were very grateful I think they were very thankful so what was going on why did only one come back and actually say thank you and I want to give you a suggested answer. It's my suggested answer. Who knows the good preaching isn't telling you what's right and wrong. It's sometimes getting you to ask questions. You are clever people. Many of you are far cleverer than me. What's going on? I want to suggest to you that it's the state that their soul lives in. The state of their soul. And we use this word soul quite a lot. You'll have read it. You'll have heard it talked about in church and other places. But I wonder if any of us could actually give an explanation for what on earth that is. And I want to suggest one to you today. I want to suggest to you that the soul is three part, mind, will, and emotions. The very essence of who you are. Your mind, the way you think. Your will, the way you're going to act. 
your emotions, how you're going to feel. Three parts to make a soul. And God's order of things is that mind should be king. That you should think someone, make an active choice. And on that choice, you will to do something. Um, after you've willed to act a certain way, your emotions follow because you did what you thought you were going to do. Yeah. Do you see? Yeah. That's God's order of things. That's how he wants us to act. That's the very essence of us, what he wants to do. So in every situation, all of us, every time, get the opportunity to stop, to think, and to choose. And on that choice, we will. We act, we speak, we do something on the base of that choice, and our emotions follow. Do you know what? I made a decision one day that I was going to buy Sarah Posh pair of shoes. I chose, amen. <laughs> I chose. I, I willed it, I acted on it, and my emotions followed. It was great because she loved it. Do you see? You think, you will, and you feel. That's God's order of things. I want to suggest to you that the society we live in today is upside down, that we're totally led too often by our emotions. They said this, and it made me feel this. And because I feel this, I'm going to do this. And because now I've done this, I think this. Do you see how we're completely upside down? You hurt me. And because I'm hurt, I'm going to act a certain way. And I'm going to think about you in the situation a certain way because of how I feel. You love me. So, oh, they love me so much, I'm going to act a certain way because they love me. And, and this is how I'm going to think about them. It can be positive or negative, but it's upside down. We need to be people who are clever, clever people. So often, people who are criticised, the Christian faith will say, oh, you know, it's a crutch. You, 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 you can't think it through. Who knows there are super intelligent Christians out there? There are super intelligent Christians in this room. And you know what? We consider, we think, we look at the evidence, we pray to God. And because of what we decided, we choose to act a certain way and then our emotions follow. It's not an emotional response to Jesus. It's a considered response to Jesus. And when you make a considered response to Jesus, everything's in line. Because your very soul is in line. So I want to suggest to you that all ten had an amazing experience. But all ten got whipped up with their emotions. I'm, I'm healed. can't believe it. Yes. I'm proper excited now. Oh, you're amazing. I've got to tell everyone. They're so emotional about it all, and of course, wouldn't we all be? But because their emotions are leading, their actions are following. They're running off to tell their friends and family. They're going back into the oh, I'm healed, I'm healed. And they would think about Jesus a certain way because of that. It's emotion-led. But one guy paused in the midst of his emotion and thought, what's the right thing to do? He considered, and he said, I need to go back and say thank you. Because that's the correct response. And when he went back and said, thank you, he thought it, he willed it, and then he had emotion because he stood in the presence of Jesus. And in the presence of Jesus, there is fullness of joy. Yeah. Do you see? So I'm not saying these other nine guys were bad guys. I think they were probably very good guys. But they just got the state of their soul in that moment whipped up and twisted. And I think... I hope not for all of you, but maybe sometimes for all of us. I think in society today, everyone's led by their emotions. And because we're led by our emotions, everything's a bit messy. So could we as God's church get ourselves in the correct place to say, I'm not going to be over-emotional about everything. And yes, of course we have emotions. But I'm going to choose and allow my actions to follow my choice and let my emotions catch me up.
rather than the other way. Are you with me? Are you with me? Turn to three people and say, that was good. Could we be people whose very souls, the very essence of who you are, our thoughts, our feelings, our actions, live in a consistent place of thankfulness? Every one of you has got something to be grateful for. Do you know one thing you could be grateful for? You're living in England right now. You know, we've got stuff to be thankful for. Now, you look around the world news, awful things are happening all around the world, and yet we're here in a cosy, snug room listening to an awesome preacher. <laughs> we've got stuff to be thankful for. And I know we all have difficulty, but do we get whipped up with our emotion over that difficulty? Or do we stand back and with our considered mind full of faith say, yeah, but Jesus, you're coming through, and I'm going to act like that. And when I start acting like that, my emotions catch me up, and I have a different experience of the same situation. People can look at Christians, and I hope they do. I hope people look at your life, and the reason they smell the aroma of Christ on you is because you go through the very same thing they went through last year, but you go through it differently. Same situation. Jesus didn't say there wouldn't be trials. In fact, he said there would definitely be trials. But he said, I will walk through the valley with you. And we don't stay there. We walk out on the other side. Too many people are living in the valley, full of emotion, full of choices that are based on their emotion instead of saying, no, 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 no. I choose to honor Jesus. I choose to follow Jesus. And because of that, we're walking through this situation. And I'll come out the other side and I will be full of joy because my emotions will catch me up. I love in that particular psalm, he says, and I will create a feast in front of all your enemies. All the people who looked at you and sneered at you and laughed at you and did stuff to you and spoke behind your back, there's a feast of life for you. And you're going to say, that's my Jesus. But it starts with a choice. And the first choice that we need to have, I'm suggesting today, is thankfulness. Because it's the first step towards his presence. Who knows that God's already done more than enough? Already done more than enough. You know, when he, Jesus went to the cross, he was the Father's son. You know, you've heard me have banter about my children. Now, I love you guys, but my kids are not dying for you. Not going to happen. But God loved us so much. Let's get our head around that for a second. Sometimes we skip past the basics of faith. God loved us so much that he was prepared to give his son. He doesn't owe us anything more. But the reality is, we often pray prayers expecting more. I love it that my God is love, and because he is love, he will do more. Not because I deserve it, but because he loves me. I'm not entitled to it, but he loves me. And so because I live in that space of not expecting it, but receiving it anyway, my faith soars, my emotions soar, my choices soar, and I walk with Jesus. But when we pray prayers and you know, God doesn't do it the way we want it to be done in the time scale we want, suddenly like, we get all entitled. And we already stated at the beginning, that's unattractive. The way into God's presence is thankfulness. Pray big prayers. Lord, would you do this for me? Lord, would you heal me? Would you heal my family member? Would you heal my friend? Lord, would you bring my life partner to me? Lord, would you change my situation? Lord, would you provide me? Pray big prayers but then enter his presence with thankfulness despite what comes your way. Because then you just walk through valleys and you come out the other side and it's a better life experience. Just consider the cross for a moment. And I love that in our church context at least, we keep Jesus focused. 
you know, I don't know if you've seen The Passion of the Christ. I challenged myself to watch it a little while. My stance was always, you know, I know. I don't need to see that to see my Jesus. But when you watch it, it's so well done. You know, that people were mocking him. And Jesus just went there and he looked down and said, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's my Jesus. He just loves on us and loves on us and loves on us. And here we are in 2018 in his house saying, thank you, Jesus, that you loved on me. And I pray you'll do lots more for me. But if you don't do lots more for me, I thank you anyway, because you've done enough. Your salvation and eternity is secure already because of Jesus. So when we come and we sing thanks songs, let's get thankful because he's done more than enough. Your life is different because of him already. And I can promise you this, and I think I can promise you this, that because God is love, he will do more for you because he wants to see you win. But the biggest thing he wants is to be in your presence. He wants to do life together. Jesus came, didn't he, in John 10, 10 and said, I've come to so you would have life in its fullness. He wants you to win. But it works best when you walk with him. And walking with him means living in a state of thankfulness. Final verse is Psalm 105, verses 1 through 3 says this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing psalms to him. Talk of his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those rejoice who seek the Lord. Give thanks to him. Tell people of his wondrous works. Lift him high. His glorious name. You know, some of the Psalms, we just read them and we kind of get to know them, we skip past them. But let's get down to the essence of the thing. When I give thanks to him, I'm in his presence. And when I get in his presence, good things happen. And there's an aroma in my life of the goodness of God that's attractive. And then not only does God want to be in and around that, people want to be in and around that. We should be the most attractive people on the planet. You know, everywhere Jesus went, masses and masses of people gathered. They wanted to be there. And so many people have an opinion about Jesus. But the actual Jesus who lived on earth, people wanted to be there. And that's who I represent. And that's who you represent. And that's who lives in me. And so if I actually lived like him, people would want to be around me. People would want to be around you. We would have monster meetings full of people looking for this Jesus that they see in you. And it all begins with a soul that chooses to give thanks. That says, I choose to say thank you every day. When I wake up in the morning, my starting point is victory. Thank you. When I turn over and see my awesome wife still wearing her Louboutins, <laughs> I say thank you. When I go and make breakfast, which could be a hassle, I'm taking to my children who are healthy. Thank you. When I get in my car to take them to school, I've got a car. It's a German car. Thank you. <laughs> I take them to school and they enjoy school. And I come home. Do you know what my job is? My job's to serve you guys. Thank you. What a privilege. How could I not say thank you? And I hope you can look on your life, wherever you're at right now, and go on a journey like that that just says, wow. <laughs>
thank you and live there. Not spend a moment there, live there. Get the condition of your soul right that you choose with a clever mind and then you will enact and your emotions catch it up. It attracts the presence of Jesus. I wonder if you'd stand. I'd love to pray with you. Father God, I, I just know I've thrown some seeds out there today. Lord, if anything wasn't helpful, I pray you'd remove it. But Lord, the things that were helpful, I pray you'd water it. I pray you'd grow it. Change us from the inside out, Lord God. Change us from the inside out. Lord, we want to say sorry for where we've ever lived entitled. But today we make a choice. Come on, church, with me. Let's make a choice. Today we make a choice to live in a condition of thankfulness. Thank you, Jesus, that you first loved me. Thank you, Jesus, that when you hung on that cross all those years ago, I was on your mind. Thank you, Jesus, that we can gather as a church today and you're cheering us on from heaven saying, go on, church, diffuse my aroma into your town. Change this nation because they can smell something different about you. I wonder today if there's anyone who feels stirred that has felt distant from Jesus, maybe never known Jesus. Is today the day that you want to say, Lord, I need you in the middle of this. I need to say thank you. I've pushed you aside or I've never included you. Church, is today the day that you say, Lord, get in the middle of this thing because I want to live a life that says thank you. If that's you today, I just want you to be brave and just shove up a hand and we're going to pray together. Bless you there. Bless you there. Bless you there. Bless you in the middle. Bless you in the middle there. Anyone else who today says, yes, I'm getting Jesus in the middle of it all. Bless you there. So good. Six, seven, eight people maybe. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to say a line and it's all as a church just join with these brothers and sisters and pray together. Lives are being changed. Heaven's rejoicing. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for loving me. Today, I choose to invite you, Jesus, into the middle of my life. Be central. Be the king. I honor you. Father God, thank you that I'm forgiven. Today, I give you my life. Take over. And all God's people said, Come on, let's celebrate with heaven this morning.